Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Good morning. You guys can hear me apparently. Sound good this morning. I want to welcome everybody to um, Matthew's Table once again. Um, I, sorry, that... Jesus, you don't owe me anything has just been really bothering me over. Um, that's powerful. Once again, we're thrilled to worship with you in our new home. We're so excited that you guys are here with us this morning, that God has provided us um, just a miraculous thing that's, that's occurred. Uh, any, any visitors with us this morning, normally this is where we would ask for you to greet one another and to be sure and make everybody feel welcome and let them know and experience the tangible love of God. Unfortunately, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and we can't do that right now. So I want you to hear me say that if you're here for the first time. We love you. We care about you. We're so happy that you've joined us, and we're excited prayerfully that you will return. So, and, and I say that on behalf of everybody from Matthew's Table, right? So... Um, just some announcements real quick. Um, those of you committed to Matthew's table or felt led to uh, give uh, by way of worship, you can text to give to 73256 and just put Matthew's table all together. No apostrophes or uh, spaces or any of those things. Uh, also, just so you guys know, so like when we end here shortly, we'll release from the back out. So you'll just kind of watch the back rows start heading out. That way we don't clump up all in the middle and somebody who is sensitive and concerned about possibly um, the virus that's, that's going on right now, um, we don't make them uncomfortable, right? We want to love our neighbor regardless of your opinion on it. We want to make sure that uh, we're Christ-like in all things that we do. So they'll just start releasing you from the back out once we end. Also, uh, we don't have any details necessarily yet, but um, we want to, we're hoping to and planning to do a prayer service, uh, possibly the middle of this week, just with everything that's going on in our um, society and in our city. And um, we don't, we don't know what that's going to be exactly because we don't want it to be a Matthew's table thing. So we want to reach out and we want all churches to participate in any way that we can and however we can do that. So just be uh, paying attention to Facebook or communicating with somebody that's uh, here and it's a part of this church to find out more details. Uh, if we do it, it'll be Wednesday night. So um, be, be listening and be watching um, for updates on that. Also, um, one of our people, Jamie over here, Jamie Freeman, um, she shared with me earlier, just uh, look on her Facebook, and um, she, she wants all of us to see, uh, you know, the Lord gave us uh, a beautiful day, amen, even in the midst of a very ugly time that we're living in, and uh, that just kind of demonstrates that ugliness and how it's carrying over from generation to generation, and I'll talk more about it in a minute, but I didn't want to forget to mention it, so if you guys would, you could watch that there. Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and pray quickly, and we'll get started. Father, I just ask now that the Holy Spirit have its way with us this morning. Speak through me uh, anything that I may have to say. If it's not what you once said, Lord, remove it from my mouth. Father, forgive us. for the things that's taking place. Have mercy and forgive all of us and help us, Lord, be the change that's needed in a broken, lost world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. So uh, if you haven't been, um, the last few weeks we've been looking to the promises of God and hoping to and with intentions of strengthening your faith and improving the quality of your life because a believer reminded of God's promises should walk in confidence even though life throws punches and while our knees may be weakened and we stagger a little God's promises are the firm foundation that helps us regain our wind and our strength to keep fighting. Just by way of review, we uh, kick this off with learning God is the promise. Amen, that God is the promise revealed to man, fulfilled in Christ, based on his plan and his purpose from the beginning of time that's going to come to pass. And last week, Nick Nick did a wonderful job encouraging us with the promise of God being faithful, even though we are unfaithful. Which brings us to our next promise that's a call to action. The only promise of God that he uses us to achieve the outcome. May I remind you that God's promises aren't like man's promises. God is not like man that he changes his mind or that he lies. God cannot lie and God cannot change his mind. He promises to save. He promises to save. It's the promise that I get most excited about. It's this promise that explains why we exist and we gather together on a Sunday morning as a church to worship the Lord. And to be honest with you, it's been this promise that consumes me by the grace of God because at one time that was not the case. It's why I make every move I make. It's all I can ever think about. Thank God. And finally, it's this promise that gives me the hope I need to carry on in such a cruel, evil, broken world. We're going to preach this morning, so I need everybody to be listening. Y'all came here to slap tickle, you gone go, for real. Like, we're going to get real this morning. And thank God for this promise or else... Fighting this good fight against things like addiction or realizing what the recidivism rate is at the jail, 85% chance. If your child, God help us, doesn't happen, goes to jail, there's an 85% chance that they'll return to jail. 
Lord, don't let that happen. But knowing just some of those things that one out of 20 after 10 years remain sober, when I think that way and I realize some of those realities, it, it, it makes me, you, you would think that it would cause me to throw in the towel. But he promises to save. Not to mention the ongoing racial divide in our country that sadly still exists after almost a couple hundred years, but thousands of lives have been lost. This week we've experienced another tragedy, a nightmare through the murder of George Floyd. I'm going to be real transparent now. I just want to be real. Like, that's all I can be. It's all I got. You know what I mean? But I haven't spoke out about this. Um, and, and unfortunately for, like, you know, pastors or any ministry leaders or certain people, there's kind of an obligation to do that. There's kind of this uh, expectation for people of influence, and I don't claim to be a man of influence, no, by no means. But, I mean, there, there is somewhat of an expectation for, you know, people to speak out about this. And um, what I know is that in the past I always had spoke out about this, which was my problem. And also, if I immediately respond to what's taking place, it's almost like I feel like I'm just doing it to do it instead of doing it and meaning it. And being transparent. In the past, I always wanted to, to defend certain things, specifically myself, justifying that, look, I'm not racist. And I, and I believe that wholeheartedly. Like, I, I don't know that I ever really, even when I was lost, I don't, I just, I don't think I ever was. But this happened this past week, and, and I remember when I, when I saw the video the first, for the first time, I, what I felt was just pure anger. Like, it, something was different this time. And, I, you know, all I could think was enough is enough. This has gone on far too long. And I'm tired of this happening, as if that really matters. It's not like it's happening to me or any of my white friends necessarily, but but I am, I, I truly am, I'm tired of this happening. So I chose not to say anything and not to spiritualize this, but to, to be sincere about this, to start asking God to show me what I needed to learn. I, I, don't, need, I don't need to voice my opinion about how the rioting is wrong. I, this is me, I'm not talking about you. I don't need to jump on social media and try to correct everybody. <laughs> don't think there ain't a part of me that wants to. I'm just being honest with this time. God said, shut up, Roger, and listen to me so that when you speak, it's helpful. And what he revealed to me wasn't what I wanted. Wasn't what I wanted to hear. In my silence, God showed me in the past 
by my silence, I have been racist. To not say what needed to be said, instead of feeling obligated to defending myself, was racist. We shouldn't be surprised, right? Like me and Nick was talking about the other day, and he's like, Roger, to be honest with you, we're not even talking about a real hundred years ago that this existed. So this has been taught and being being taught to certain kids and people growing up. Like this, this, this can exist within our hearts and us not really realize it. And here's what I know to be true. For example, I teach people that to allow sin in one's life is unloving. If you don't call that person's sin out, you don't love them. That's what I've taught even you that are here with us this morning. Yet because I don't do this sin, I've allowed others to do it by not calling it out. Right? There, there's these racist jokes that I've participated in. Maurice will tell you, I, was, I mean, you know how we say, hey, Maurice, you want to go play basketball? And, and like, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. And I've always chalked it up as sin that we can't change on this side of heaven, right? That's what the church does. Well, Roger, you know it's sin, and sin's not good. You, you can't just, you can't change this. It just exists. It's no different than, porno, you know, being pornography addi- uh, addicted or, you know, it's just sin. You can't, you can't save the world. And that's caused me to not even try and makes me unknowingly and unintentionally guilty. By the way, how come the church always feels obligated to wait till an instance like this happens until they say, hey, we need to do a pray service? Yeah. Like, why is this not ongoing? Why is this isn't, why isn't this something every two to three months that we're rallying together in unity and praying against, Right? To all my black friends and family, I'm sorry, and I hope you will forgive me. To all my white friends and family, if I have any influence in any of your lives, I'm pleading with you to search your heart for racism and stop being silent about something so wicked. You work with white people and make those jokes and make those comments. I felt embarrassed and and shameful all week as a believer knowing I have a voice that carries all the way to heaven, but no ongoing prayer in my life to end this. So that's the voice I'm starting with. But also no longer being silent about wrong being wrong, even though I may be right. Yes, I I wholeheartedly believe I am not racist, but to not speak up is racist. To not speak against it to your Fellow white friends is white is racist. All all everything within me wants to scream no more. Like no more. Enough's enough. Well, thanks, Roger. It's been going on for a lot of years. I understand that. I just admitted guilt. But no more. No more. 
And then there's these two quotes from Martin Luther King that hit hard, real hard. There comes a time when silence is betrayal. It's like, you, you know, so when I've been silent, I've betrayed my friends. There comes a time when silence is betrayal. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Is that the legacy you want to leave? And by the way, white friends and family, having a black friend doesn't mean you aren't the problem. That's my whole point. I've hid behind that for years. I got a black friend. We hang out every once in a while. You know what I mean? Obviously, I'm not racist. I'm not a part of the problem. I disagree. And I'm not telling you that's your problem. I'm telling you it's been my problem. And it won't be my problem anymore. God forgive us. And in the light of the events from this past week, I've not lost hope in mankind. I'm losing hope in Christians. Because based on the promise that God saves... And knowing all sin, including racism, is a heart issue that only God can change and will change when we take the responsibility to be the change the world needs by sharing the gospel with all people more aggressively and more frequently. The gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to set free the heart of a sinner full of hate addiction, greed, and whatever. Salvation is the solution to eliminating all brokenness. You want to fight crime? You want to rid people of hate? Introduce them to the God of love. I know this because that's what changed me. Somebody's Facebook post about my sin didn't change me. Somebody prayed. They made a call to heaven. And Jesus intervened. Many of you know this already, but there's some of you that may not know this. But there was a man not too long ago who was lurking in the shadows and living it in the dark. Mixing chemicals to produce methamphetamines. Yeah? Robbing places of business. Stealing, lying, cheating. That man was me. God changed my life. All I think about is Jesus. God promises to save people. And there's no better passage to make my point this morning than this one. If you guys want to open your Bible, or you can just follow along here on the screen. It's going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Ready? Let's go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, listen up, y'all about to hear the gospel. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not 
counting their sins against them and then entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, anytime there's a therefore in the Bible, you always want to see why that therefore is therefore. Entrusting us the message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, sinner, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Why? For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Now, this text, verse 17 specifically, has ministered to me so many times when wrestling with the shame and guilt from my past and provided comfort where condemnation was deeply rooted. All the while not realizing I was using it to be self-serving. It was all about making me feel better about myself, as it should be, because it's true. However, to only use that verse is a disservice to ourselves and others and part of the problem with how messed up our world is today. And the reason I say that is because of verse 17, you read, you read on, we now have a responsibility to do something with that. We're now a member of the team, right? We now have a responsibility. Listen, I understand why that's hard for some of you to believe and to live out. Because Hallie, my stepdaughter, was applying for a job. Online application, right? She never worked a day in her life. She'll tell you she She ain't. She ain't had a job. She just turned 16. And she's going through and she's filling out this application and it's asking all these questions. It's like, for the love of God, she put you, like, how old are you? 16. You've obviously never had work experience, but it's asking you all these questions. Have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Do you have previous work history? Now, obviously, I don't, right? And as you're filling out this application, you begin to get a little discouraged because you feel like, well, look, they're not going to want to hire me. And that carries over into our relationship with God and how we view God wanting to use us. However, to only use that verse is a disservice. We have a responsibility to do something with it. We're now a member of the team. The old you is dead and gone. And the new you is now qualified because of verse 18 and verse 19. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ God was reconciling us to him, not counting our sins. Well, Roger, you don't understand. I don't want to talk about Jesus because if they find out who I used to be, they ain't going to want to listen. That's the case, and I'm going to drop the mic and go on home. So at some point, you got to stop using that. you got to stop using The Bible doesn't teach that. The old you is dead and gone. The new you is now qualified. Qualified for what? To be employed by God to be an ambassador entrusted with the life-saving and the life-changing message that rips out hard hearts in the human race and replaces them with, with hearts for His will and His way to be done. 
ministry of reconciliation. And listen, while I applaud and celebrate education and personal career achievements, there ain't a degree in this world that compares to working for the living God. There ain't. You'll never get greater joy than leading somebody to Jesus Christ. Promise you. Harvard Law may impress some people, but heaven's grace is the only thing that can change all people. You want to know what my degree is? Heaven's grace. Where'd you go to school? Heaven's grace. Well, you don't deserve that. I agree. I'm here anyways. They gave me the microphone, so hush up and sit down because we're getting busy. That's not in my notes. I get in trouble every time I get away from my notes. Listen, as much as I love to sit around and be overwhelmed with celebrating God, making a way for us to have a place to call home, it's go time, Matthew's table. We didn't move over to a fancy building to look fancy. We moved over to a fancy building to go out and get more because we now got space for them to come here. This past week hasn't been every indication you've needed. You're sleeping on Jesus. The truth I need you to see is that God promises to save and fulfills that promise through Christ and is counting on you to get in the game. Why? Because we cannot accept the reconciliation from God and then refuse to pursue reconciliation with others. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers of all time, obviously he's dead, but um, he, he made this comment. Ah, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save that. It, God gave me it when we, was, when we was over here singing earlier, so I didn't know where to put it, but now I know. So I found this survey um, that I want to read to you guys that was done by Lifeway. Now I'm going to have a hard time finding it, but I'm going to pull it up real quick. I found this survey was done by Lifeway that illustrates just how far off the church is with its individual responsibility, which, by the way, hinders the church collectively, right? And just so you all know that I ain't making it up, I I pulled in this survey here done by Lifeway. This is what it said. New study finds that despite people feeling comfortable in their ability to effectively communicate the gospel, churchgoers struggle most with sharing Christ with non-Christians. And if Christians feel comfortable sharing their faith and recognize it's their responsibility as disciples, why do so many, why do so few share the gospel? So here's some numbers, alarming statistics. Out of 100% of people, 80% of Christians agree. I have a personal responsibility to share my religious beliefs about Jesus Christ with non-Christians. However, 75% of the 80% feel comfortable sharing their belief in Christ with someone else. However, 61% of the 80% shared how to become a Christian with anyone hasn't shared hasn't shared how to become a Christian with anyone in the past six months. 48% have not invited anyone to church in the past six months. And 20% 
rarely, if never, pray for people who are not professing Christians. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes the promise. We got numbers like that that we're dealing with, right? I ain't making this stuff up, guys. It's real. It's real. And I find it strange that we as the church don't share our faith more when considering every person in the Bible who encounters Jesus immediately runs to tell others about him, right? About Andrew. I guarantee you half of you don't even know who Andrew is, right? It's Peter's brother. Andrew met Jesus first, turned and went and told Peter. Y'all know all about Peter. What about the woman at the well, right? There's just example after example. When God reveals himself through Christ to people, their, their immediate response should be to go and tell others if you truly encountered him. And I'm not sure whether it's a lot of people who claim to have encountered really haven't because they're a victim of American Christianity. If you just say a prayer, then you're saved. Or if you just go to church with your grandma once every three months, then you're a Christian. Look, all you got to do is get in the building, man. Show up once and you're good. You won't find that in the Bible anywhere. Or if we've just forgotten the promise that God saves and don't truly comprehend the power of the gospel. And regardless of which those two may be, when considering we have the solution to all the world's problems and we aren't sharing it, doesn't make lost people look foolish. It makes us look foolish. Do you really believe the gospel of Jesus Christ to save people from their sin, but you ain't told nobody? I'd have to ask you if you really believe. Right? Charles Spurgeon, the quote I was telling, telling you about, he says, every Christian is either an, uh, a missionary or an imposter. Yeah. Bear with me. I, I, I believe God gave me this, and I... I know how that sounds sometimes, but listen, I got an illustration that I want to try to paint you a picture with, okay? I want you guys to entertain me for just, give me five minutes, okay? And I want you to imagine that you individually, not you and your spouse, not you and anyone else, but you yourself, you're standing out on that sidewalk, and you're looking at this building, and you know everybody else is in here, just like we are now. And the building is on fire. It's burning to the ground. To do something about it is the right thing to do, right? But in that moment, you're overwhelmed with panic and fear and inadequacy. I'm not the right guy to do that. We need to get somebody else. All the while, you know that the people in the building don't know there's an escape hatch in the back. Yeah, you don't feel like you're capable or you're adequate enough to tell everybody what to do. You're overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, you hear the fire truck coming. And on that fire truck is three preachers. 
and they're driving right down the road. Just picture it in your mind real quick. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I knew you'd be laughing, Nick. All of a sudden, the fire truck is coming down the road, right? People's dying. You know how to get them out, but you won't tell them. And the fire truck passes right on by. What you want to ask yourself right now is, in which situation are you in that scenario? Notice this. The building doesn't save them. Right? Notice this. You had a way out for them, but you didn't share it. And then what you find out later is the preachers did not disappoint you. They were on another call. I can't help everybody. I need you guys. You know? This isn't just let's go show up for church because they're going to know if I don't go, they're going to think I'm out doing bad again. Like, no, man. We got responsibility. Right? And as your pastor, I prayed that God would give us like-hearted, radical, I wish we'd just get rid of that word altogether and just put in biblical people who have a heart for seeing everyone come to Christ and be willing to play a part. And I'm failing each of you if I don't create an expectation of evangelism at Matthew's table. This will not be a rest home or a place to relax, but a well-oiled, fine-tuned missionary machine where we all play our part spreading the gospel. Listen, if I could, I would. No offense to any of you. I'd build a bunch of robots like the Terminator who would pursue lost people with the same ferociousness and tenacity like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, you can't stop them. They're beating on the door. Here comes that dude again. He's going to tell me about Jesus. You know what I mean? Well, he's just programmed to do it, you know. If I could program all of us, I would. Listen, and if you think I'm saying y'all aren't doing enough because I do I'm not. I fail. Daily. We got to get better. But the Terminator, Schwarzenegger, robots, it's not going to happen. We all know that. So my goal, Robert, get ready, is to produce evangelism linebackers. Watch this video.
you. Uh-huh. Hey, man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I gotta go. Selfishness? The world needs a message. For God to love the world, he wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that phone, boy. When I see... So, yeah, I mean... Maybe a little over the top. And I'm not encouraging that behavior necessarily, but I am hoping to make the same point that Paul did in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And he died for all, that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Right? And I understand the conflicting messages that some of you have been exposed to. For example, you guys have heard this quote. Preach the gospel always and use words when necessary. I understand the intent behind that. I do. And and I understand the Bible says that we should be lights in in a dark place and that there should be evidence of fruit in our life and they should see a difference in us. But what I also know that that is not biblical truth. This reality that the church has went silent when speaking is necessary to make a real change, seems like a satanic scheme from the enemy. Let that seek in for a second. Otherwise, how do you make sense of this verse? Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You want to know how somebody gets saved? It ain't you shining bright. That might draw them in. But until you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, God will not save them. Somewhere along the way, the church became satisfied with sending a few out to do the work of the whole. Looking like a city work crew doing road improvements. And I pray to God before I did this that nobody works on the city road crew. I don't want anybody getting mad. Y'all seen it, though. You drive by, they're digging a hole this big. There's ten of them, one of them's doing all the digging, right? Somehow that's kind of worked itself into the church. And we've created these parachurch, that's a fancy word for ministries within our town. For example, the homeless shelter, friends of sinners, and, you know, these lighthouse, all these different ministries. Because... All these ministries that reach the least of these, and and we prefer them to be an outside ministry helping from a distance. You know, maybe we write a check or something, or send thank you cards, or drop a pizza off at their front door. But don't bring them here and mess up our furniture. Don't bring them here. They might not smell as well as I do or be as clean as I am, right? Which is the exact opposite of what Jesus did, by the way. Jesus was in the, the trenches. And what y'all better know is if that's a problem for y'all, you, I'm bringing them here. Believe that. I'm bringing them here. We are bringing them here. The church is supposed to be enlisted in the war for souls of everyone. Yet most Christians live their lives as if, they've re- as if they're retired veterans interested only in the benefits of the church. I read this book, same guy that was just the uh, evangelism linebacker in that video. He wrote this book, and I'm reading it now. It's called High Definition Leader. 
And, and he says this right here. We must shift from let's help the poor to let's be among the poor and do life with the poor. Because there's a great opportunity for mutual and beneficial exchanges to take place. When we stay segregated and separated, we find ourselves as Christians living in different worlds, even though we may be right next door to one another. Being born again as a new creation doesn't stop there. It just means that you got the job and it's time to go to work being all about the Father's business and ambassador of Christ making his appeal through our changed lives entrusted with the gospel message of reconciliation that creates a heavenly home on earth. Heaven on earth is what peaceably overcomes hostility. Case in point, Jesus Christ. Jesus stepped down from his throne and came to earth. I learned this week from this same book that in all my years of ministry, my approach has been wrong. You don't think that was humbling? A lot of humility in that. I've always went at ministry with this intention and this perspective of making sure that the person that I am ministering to is sent to heaven. Right? And once they're a new creation, oftentimes I, I, didn't, I didn't follow up or I didn't do anything else with them. I just wanted to make sure that they were being sent to heaven. However, the big picture to what it is that we are doing is bringing heaven down to earth by being reconciled to God. And many saved people don't even understand salvation. Anyone know when eternity starts? Do you all know when eternity starts? The day you say yes to Jesus. And so our goal should be to look like heaven by being multicolored, multi-socio-economical, meaning we must be intentional with establishing relationships with people who are not the same color of us. We must live like heaven by being full of compassion, grace and mercy to people who are not like us while practicing reconciliation among one another. And finally, we must love like heaven sacrificially and unconditionally serving all people of all groups and economical classes, promoting peace in a chaotic, divided world. That should be the vision of every church because that's the vision of God who sent his son Jesus and made no distinction between people and told us to go and be witnesses to the ends of the earth, to all tongues, tribes, and nations. And to arrange our lives intentionally with people just like ourselves, excluding others, is the opposite of what heaven will be like. And while we would want to portray, why we would want to portray anything else to a world in desperate need of a Savior blows my mind. Segregation doesn't solve anything. Salvation is the solution because what happens is heaven comes down to earth, and we know that to be true because of the life of Jesus who came down to destroy the works of Satan and overcome the evil that we've created. Consider this sad reality. 13.7% of churches in America are multi-ethnic. That means 86.3 are just one-color churches. 
which many of us already know, look around you today right here at Matthew's table. I ain't picking on anyone. This has convicted me this past week. It's really made me think. This ain't about white and black. This is about the human race. How many Asian friends do I have? None, but I plan for that to change. Pastor Leon's here. He's the pastor of the Burmese church that meets in Buena Vista. And I'm begging God that we have a friendship, that people can look at us and see heaven just by our friendship, right? And what's worse is the church, I, I want you guys to think about this because this is serious. The church is more segregated than the world. Military is multi-ethnic. Schools are multi-ethnic. Neighborhoods, multi-ethnic. The churches, 86.3 are all one color or one nationality, whatever you want to say. Ambassadors of Christ entrusted with the message of reconciliation that conquers ethnic, racial, and all other diversity barriers and allows for us to live, to look, live, and love like heaven. And I refuse for us to be included in that 86.3%. To the extent I'm so committed to the 13.7% that if we can't agree, one of us has to go. And I'm willing to leave. And I want you guys to know this, that unfortunately God doesn't save everyone because if he did, everyone would be saved. However, if that's all you heard, I need you to hear what's next. However, he does save anyone who believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what's stopping you from sharing? When's the last time you shared your faith or pointed people to Jesus? Which which statistic did you fall into from the one I read to you earlier? I know many of you do and have share your faith, but for some of you, this is news you hadn't heard because the media won't share this. Paul says it best in Romans 10 verses 14 and 15 as I wrap up. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Church, God promises to save. What are we waiting on? And finally, another quote from Charles Spurgeon, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for, which means Matthew's table, we got work to do. And it's go time. And did you know the same way you can check your weather app to see what the weather's going to be? The Bible tells you what the best day to get saved is today. I know that to be true because it doesn't promise tomorrow. And if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, get with one of us here. We'd love to share our faith with you.
Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.